Well, welcome. I'm so glad that you're joining us here today on this historic Easter morning. It's a historic Easter because we are all worshiping together and yet we are worshiping in our own homes at the same time. I think the memory of this particular Easter Sunday will be etched in our minds for the rest of our lives. And so it's the case, I imagine, in, with most people in our world, the big topic of conversation, the big thought occupying their minds, the big concern they have, all is about the, the uh, coronavirus and this uh, pandemic. But the story which Easter celebrates is far more important and far more impactful and far more life-changing than, uh, than a virus. It's the Easter story, the Easter celebration impacts not just life today, not just life next week, not just life in the next decade, but it impacts all eternity. But sadly, the average person in our world is ignorant about Easter. They have no real clue about what Easter is nor why it's important. So for our focus this morning, we're going to focus on that very question. What's the big deal about Easter? I'm sure most of us know this morning it's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus is risen. If you were all here with me, you'd respond, He is risen indeed. This morning, as we contemplate the wonder and the significance of Jesus' resurrection, we're going to look at a marvelous passage of Scripture. And so I hope you have a Bible close by and take it. And I want to encourage you to open up to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. And as you do that, let's just go to the Lord in prayer for a moment. Father, we come to you this morning eager to hear from you eager to hear from your word, for we are needy of the wisdom that you have here. We are needy to learn of you and to draw near to you. And I pray that you would do that through your word this morning as your spirit works in our hearts through your word. We come to you this morning thankful that you have allowed us this opportunity, even though we are isolated in our homes uh, for us not to be truly isolated, but connected here in this time of worship. Father, we ask your blessing on... Uh, it was great to hear the greetings from our missionaries this week. We ask your blessing on them, and particularly this week, our missionary focus of the week, Bruce and Irene McAtee, and their ministry in Greece, and particularly with refugees from uh, from the Middle East. Father, we, we also ask for wisdom for our leaders in the midst of these difficult days. We ask that you'd give wisdom to our president and our governors and all of the, uh, those who, who, uh, govern in our land. They might have wisdom to make good decisions, to manage this time of crisis well. Father, we ask in your grace that you would, uh, that you would relieve our land of this of this uh, pestilence of this disease that has come upon us. But Father, we ask that you would work through this time for your glory. 
We ask that in these, in these days that you would draw us nearer to you. We ask that you would draw us closer to one another as families. We ask, Father, that you would enable us to, uh, to reach out, to be more, to have, uh, more of an impact in others' lives as we recognize how important it is for us to be looking out for our neighbors and to be looking out for those who are in need. Father, we ask as well that you would open doors for us to share the gospel of Jesus with folks who haven't heard. Because in these days, people are, are afraid and they are concerned and they are open, many of them, to hear as they have never heard before. So, Father, enable us to be bold in sharing our faith. And Father, we ask that you would indeed bring about uh, repentance in our land and turn the hearts of our people to you. Now, Father, as we come to your word, open our eyes and open our ears that we may hear and teach us and meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this passage here in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, has more to say about the resurrection than probably any other passage of Scripture. Not only talking about Jesus' resurrection, but also talking about uh, our own resurrection to come, our future resurrection. It's a long chapter, so in the brief time we have this morning, we're not going to be able to cover the whole chapter. Just going to focus us on, on verses 3 through 22. And I want to call our attention to three great truths that are here in this passage about Jesus' resurrection. The first is about the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Then we'll look at the importance of Jesus' resurrection. And finally, at the joy of Jesus' resurrection. The reality of Jesus' resurrection is a big deal here. It's a big deal if Jesus rose from the dead. You know, everybody dies. That's, we've said before, that's the, the ultimate statistic. One out of one people die. Everybody dies, but nobody comes back from the grave. And so it's, it's a big deal if Jesus has really been raised from the dead. Knowing that the resurrection of someone is hard to believe, this passage lays out for us four, four proofs, four reasons why we can know that Jesus has risen from the dead. The first is has to do with prophecy. In verses 3 and 4 it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The resurrection was in God's plan from the very beginning. It was promised and prophesied in the Old Testament Scriptures. So let me give you a couple of quick examples from there. Peter, and also in Acts chapter 2, also Paul, later on in Acts, Acts chapter 13, they both refer back to Psalm 16 and verse 10, where there it says, You will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And they point out that it was a prophecy there of Jesus' resurrection. Just in this late, in chapter, just later on, the apostle Paul down in verse 20 calls Jesus the first fruits. 
First fruits was a Jewish feast, a feast they celebrate in the Old Testament, uh, celebrating the harvesting of the very first of the spring crops. God had commanded this for Israel to celebrate this feast every spring and the day after the Sabbath that followed Passover. Now, Sabbath, you know, is on Saturday. Therefore, first fruits was celebrated on a Sunday, and it was the Sunday after Passover. And what happened on that day? The resurrection. In retrospect, what we now see and what Paul is referring to when he calls Jesus our first fruits is that God is using the Old Testament feast to picture as a foreshadowing of things that he's going to do in the future. On the feast of Passover, we see that Jesus was, who was the Passover lamb, the scripture calls him, he was crucified, even as the Passover lambs were being crucified. On the feast of first fruits, three days later on Sunday, Jesus was resurrected as the first fruits. He was the first to rise from the dead ahead of many others whom Jesus will one day raise from the dead when he returns. Everyone who believes in him as Paul says here in verse 23, he says, So also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. For the second evidence of the resurrection, look down in verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul says, there were eyewitnesses, not hallucinations of some delusional person, nor the wishful and hopeful thinking of of sentimental emotions. No, there were many appearances to skeptical people as well as to faithful followers in different places, in different settings. There was Peter. There was the Twelve. There was an appearance to a gathering of more than 500 followers at one time. Jesus appeared to James and to all the apostles. And then he says, finally, to uh, Paul himself. Thirdly, Paul says, do you have questions? Do you have doubts? In verse 6, he says, most of these folks are still alive. In other words, he's saying, I double dog dare you. Go check it out. If you don't believe me, or if you have questions, go down. Most of these folks are still there. You can go interview them personally. These were real events with real people. And Paul says it will stand the scrutiny of investigation. The fourth evidence that Paul gives for the resurrection we find in verse 7. He says, Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. He's making note of the fact that lives were changed. You see, James is Jesus' half-brother. And James was a doubter. He wasn't a believer, a follower of Jesus in all the time before Jesus' crucifixion. It wasn't until after the resurrection that Jesus appears to James and James becomes a believer 
And he becomes a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And he wrote the book of James in the Bible. But not only was James' life changed, so were the apostles. You'll recall that these disciples were timid men. They were doubting men. They were very slow to believe that Jesus really rose from the dead. Even when he first appeared to them, they were questioning and doubting. But after the resurrection, they were transformed into bold witnesses. And because of their bold witness, all but John died the death of a martyr. Then Paul goes on, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul says, I was one who persecuted believers in Christ. But after an encounter with the resurrected Christ, Paul, Paul was instantly changed. He became an ardent believer and follower of Christ and became one of the persecuted. Safe to say he was persecuted more than most have ever been. There are some people who, in, in Christendom, some people who wear the name of Christ who say that the resurrection doesn't really matter. Uh, if Jesus rose from the dead or not, it really doesn't affect our faith. Well, some people may say that, but not Paul. Paul says the resurrection is everything. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, Paul goes on to say, he says then our faith is useless. He says in verse 14, he says, if Christ has been raised from the dead, excuse me, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. Paul is saying that if the dead aren't raised, our faith is useless. It is vain. It is empty. Not only that, our belief is a lie. We were scammed. We bought a phony faith if Jesus is not raised from the dead. And he goes on in verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead... We are all still in our sins. We are all still guilty before God. Verse 18, he goes on, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He's saying there is no future life. There is no heaven. There is no eternal life. This world is all there is. And those who have died, they're lost, they're gone, and that's it. So he says, if that's all there is, verse 19 If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. He says if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, we are to be pitied. People should shake their heads and just go, poor you. We have wasted our time. We've wasted our energies. We've wasted our life. In fact, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, Paul goes on, all the way down to, towards the end of the chapter in verse 32, he says, instead of living a Christian life, we should be living the way that the pagans in his day lived, which is an awful lot like the way that, that many people live today. He said, if the dead are not raised, then let us eat, drink, and be merry. 
for tomorrow we die. If there's no resurrection, Paul says, then party hard today because that's, this is all there is. This is as good as it gets. If there is no resurrection, that's the end of the story. And let's, let's get on with it. Let's go do something else. But, there's a wonderful word there, the next verse, verse, verse 20. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that brings us to the third big truth in this passage. Talk, brings us to the joy of Jesus' resurrection. Christ has been raised. And so instead of being people who are to be pitied, instead of being miserable people, we have every reason to be the most joyful people alive. Even in times of trouble, even in times of, of persecution, even in times of pandemic, we can be and we should be joyful people. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, Every one of these problems that Paul was pointing out that, that would exist if there is no resurrection, all of those negative things he said can now be switched to the opposite. And so I want to restate them as positives. Because Christ has been raised, instead of our life being, our faith being useless, our faith is useful and our life has meaning. Jesus changes our lives. Some of you may have noticed at the beginning of the service these testimonies scrolling across the screen. And maybe we'll replay those at the end of the service. But Jesus has been changing lives, not just 20 centuries ago, but He's changing lives today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation the old is gone and the new has come. Our life is transformed from mere existence to a life of real purpose. Paul goes on in verse 58, right at the end of this chapter, and he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What a precious gift. A life that matters. A life that has purpose and meaning. Well, not only is that changed for our faith being useless to our life being meaningful, but our, chase, our, our faith has been, been changed from a lie, if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead, who's been transformed to, it is a sure faith. Jesus' resurrection is the assurance that the Scriptures are true, that everything that is here can be counted on. God will deliver on every promise in the book. The Word of God is a sure foundation for our faith and for our life. Thirdly, if Jesus is not raised... We're still lost in our sin. But because Jesus has been raised from the dead, our sins are forgiven. The resurrection of Jesus is the evidence that His sacrifice for our sin has been accepted. Jesus has taken our sin and our guilt. It's been put upon Him. We can let it go. God has forgiven us. 
Fourthly, because Christ has been raised from the dead, we have an eternal future. A future in heaven, in a new body. Listen to what Paul says down in verse 54, again, toward the end of the chapter. He says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Resurrection is coming. We will be raised imperishable, the verse says, to live forever. Today, and especially In this time, in the middle of the pandemic, so many people are afraid. People are being forced to confront their mortality, that they could at any moment succumb to this disease and possibly die. We can try to be careful, but reality is setting in, whether it's this pandemic or anything, none of us have any guarantee of life of of this life, death can strike any one of us at any time. We are all vulnerable. But the resurrection of Jesus should fill us with comfort and with joyful courage. Jesus is the first fruits. Just as his body rose from the grave, so one day our body will rise to a new and imperishable and immortal and eternal body. Whether we die in the next 10 minutes or in the next 10 months or in the next 10 decades, all who are believers in Jesus Christ have an eternal future in a resurrected body. The resurrection of Jesus matters. Paul began this passage uh, in verse 3 in chapter 15 here of 1 Corinthians with this verse. For what I passed, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul says the most important news that I can give to you, the most important thing I can tell you is that Jesus died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose from the grave. All as God promised in the scripture. Twenty centuries later, on this Easter day, in the middle of a pandemic, that is still the most important thing that you and I can share with our neighbors or with our friends or with our family. How someone responds to that simple, that simple message makes an eternal difference. Jesus explained it this way, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, if you have yet to do so, Jesus calls to you and invites to you, invites you on this Resurrection Sunday to believe in Him and receive the gift of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this day where we remember the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. It's not just a something that 
is a nice, cute idea. It is a reality. It was a real event that happened in history. The eternal God became man and dwelt and walked and lived among us. He was crucified, even as was your plan. He died for our sin. He rose again from the grave. Having paid for our sin, having defeated death, He is coming back again one day. And there will be a resurrection where our bodies are raised and we, we receive, as he says here, the, the perishable will put, will put on the imperishable. The, we will receive immortal bodies. We will enjoy eternity with you forever and ever. How we long for that day, how we look forward to that day. And even now in our homes as we celebrate this day together, may we, may we exalt your name and may you be honored in us and in our, in our families as we worship together. And may the news and the joy of Jesus' resurrection, may it, it uh, move us in these days ahead. May it fill us with courage, fill us with joy, and fill us with um, a desire to share this message with others who need to hear.